All right, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Heal Thyself. This is episode number 21. How fast has that happened? That came like a forest fire, like a tidal wave, like a tsunami. We are on episode number 21. I'm so grateful. I'm so proud. I'm so happy that you all are supporting this. Of course, rate, review, subscribe. Keep supporting it. Tell your friends, tell your grandmama, tell your grandpapa, whoever it is. Um, Today's going to be a really good show, like always. Um, I know I always play it like it's going to be a good show, and I hope you are satisfied with the show. But yeah, we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to go over some products that um, that are very popular in as a snack food, so we need to go over that. And then I have a really special guest, one of uh, my personal friends who I've known for many years. She's coming in to talk about pediatrics. We got kids to talk about. We never cover kids because I don't work with kids, but she is a guru, so it's going to be a good show. This is the liver-loving knowledge bomb. We need to love our livers, everyone. I don't care if you are drinking alcohol every day or running marathons and taking care of your body, your liver can always use support because your liver is working like a workhorse in your body to keep you healthy. So why not give back that love? The liver in itself is the largest solid organ you have in your body. It weighs about three 3.3, 3.5 pounds. Um, It's on the upper right side of our body. And at any given time, it's holding 13% of the blood in our body. That's pretty crazy. Um, It's super active, super active organ. Um, It's believed that there's over 500 uh, vital functions that it's performing at any given time. I ask you to do five things at the same time and see if you can handle that. Our liver is working like a workhorse. We need to give it a little bit of love. You can't live without one. So why not optimize our liver health? But we need to know how it works, what affects it, and what we can do to protect it. So the liver in itself has, as I mentioned, 500 or so functions, but some of the major ones is producing bile. Bile is really important to help emulsify fat, helps break down fat in the body, but it's also really important, as I'm gonna go into it later, to break down toxins in the body, to remove them. So it's really important. Liver is probably most notably known for detoxifying. You think about filtration and cleansing, right? We're talking about liver. It also helps with the production of cholesterol, produces cholesterol, uh, helps with blood proteins, break down red, uh, red blood cells, uh, storing iron, uh, storage and synthesis, uh, and liberation of sugar in our body. So, so important because it's holding in that energy for us um, when we're fasting, for example, or in a starved state, um, breakdown and synthesis of proteins, blood clotting, but my favorite one, and you know I love talking about this, is detox, 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 detox. Our liver is the detox king, the detox queen. It's always performing and helping keep us healthy. So the liver has evolved over the years to break down toxins, and it has specific pathways. So what does it do? Well, it breaks down exogenous toxins coming from the outside, like medications, drugs, artificial chemicals, contaminants, pollutants, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, alcohol, but it's also breaking down what they call endogenous byproducts like hormones or neurotransmitters. So our liver, like I said, is always working for us, detoxifying, keeping us healthy. But I want you to understand the way the liver works. When it's functioning in, in, the, in the context of detoxification, there's different phases. Now, um, there's so many of us uh, doctors throughout social media that talk about phase one, phase two, particularly in hormones. You'll hear that a lot. A lot of the hormones doctors, doctors talk about, our practitioners talk about phase one and phase two. So 
let's just understand very simply what that means, okay? When there's a fat-soluble toxin, meaning that it breaks down in the presence of fat, fat, it needs fat to break down, not water-soluble, right? So these fat-soluble toxins are coming into the liver and in phase one, that's the first phase, hey, welcome to the liver toxin, I'm gonna break you down. Uh, there's a group of enzymes called the CYP enzymes. You will hear about that. Uh, the reason why these are important and the reason why they say don't take grapefruit with medications, for example, is because these CYP enzymes can be inhibited or excited by certain substances. So these CYP enzymes, they go, hi, toxin, I'm gonna break you down now. So what happens is they help break down these toxins uh, and they take these fat soluble toxins, they break them down, but with the assistance of nutrients. And this is why it's important to eat well and have a, a comprehensive uh, and a variety of different uh, vitamins and minerals and nutrients in your diet because they play such an important role in the breakdown of these toxins. They also play an important role in the uh, reduction of uh, free radicals that are, that are produced when these toxins are broken down. So it takes a lot to break down these toxins in the body, but also when they're breaking down, these byproducts can be stressful to the liver. This is why it's important uh, to either take specific nutrients and or just eat a comprehensive diet. And I go into that a little bit later. So what are some of these nutrients? B vitamins, glutathione, different antioxidants, amino acids, vitamins like A, C, D, E, uh, various minerals like magnesium and zinc. Herbs and nutrients can come into play like milk thistle or bioflavonoids or even quercetin. So what they do is they help, out, help in the breakdown and again, like I said, help reduce those free radicals to protect the liver. So then once they're broken down, right? The, you have these fat-soluble toxins, they go through phase one, these enzymes are just breaking it down, chopping them up, uh, and then taking these byproducts and moving it down to phase two. So after these byproducts, so these breakdown products of these toxins uh, are, are done with phase one, they enter phase two, and phase two goes, hey, I'm gonna pair you with a molecule so that you are less toxic, less of a threat to the liver, and then we'll get you out of here and you're gonna poop them out or you're gonna pee them out. So these toxins are what they call conjugated or they're paired with a molecule. This molecule can be sulfur, can be an amino acid, but it's gonna, what it's gonna do at the end of the day is render these toxins less harmful. And now they become water soluble. So you can urinate these out, right? So it's taken, it's like magic alchemy. It's taken fat, uh, fat-soluble toxins going through this process, and now you're able to pee them out. Uh, really, really cool. So what supports this phase two pathway? Uh, I mentioned amino acids, so this is really important to be eating either a variety of protein, this is why people talk about protein, because protein's important. Uh, whether it's paleo or vegan, you gotta make sure you're getting quality protein. So variety, how do you get that? Especially in a vegan, because I'm a vegan, you want to be having a variety of proteins, right? You don't have to worry too much, but make sure you have variety. But guess what's really important too? Fiber, 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 fiber. I mean, I feel like every episode I talk about fiber, and this is because it's so important in production of amino acids in the gut, but it's also important because it's like a school bus right going through the intestines and then once it gets it gets towards the liver liver goes hey hi school bus let's load you up with some toxins uh and uh you can you can be pooped out and uh, get out of here so really important to be eating fiber sulfur 
sulfur, sulfur. I mentioned that in this phase two, there's, there's conjugation. They pair it with sulfur. Do you ever hear me talk about cruciferous vegetables? Here is why. And this is why it's so helpful in breaking down hormones or, uh, or meta metabolizing hormones uh, because this sulfur, and, and sulfur is the reason why cruciferous vegetables smell. When you store them or when you're in your office, you open them up in lunch and your coworker looks at you with the desk there, that's because the sulfur is being liberated into the air and it smells. That's why. So, but that sulfur is so important. So making sure that these sulfur-rich foods like garlic, like kale, cauliflower, broccoli, broccoli sprouts, um, onions, these are all high in sulfur. And what you're doing is you're giving your body what it needs to start breaking down those toxins. But glutathione, man, this is the most powerful antioxidant you have in your body. It's, it's the most powerful liver protector. Glutathione is so important. It's a little difficult to get from foods, which is why me... I'm not, I'm not making any recommendations here. Ask your doctor, but why I take glutathione under the tongue every day. It's important, especially living in LA. I'm breathing in toxins with the worst air quality in the United States. I'm going to offices. I'm going to homes. I'm going to my own home exposed. So really important to be taking glutathione. I recommend it for the majority of my patients because when we do nutrient profiles, Almost every patient, including me, when I, did, when I first did it, glutathione was low. And that means your liver is really working overtime to help detoxify uh, the, this world of exposure. So glutathione is the most powerful one we have. That's in phase two, helping clear out these toxins. This is why I talk about the importance of nutrients, because in every step of the way, phase one and phase two, our body's going, high nutrient, I need you. High nutrient, I need you to help break this down. Oh, high nutrient, I need you to protect me from these free radicals. So having diversity in your diet. I'm gonna talk a little bit about what's protecting liver, what type of foods. But if your liver was an employee in the office, I promise you it would be year after year, employee of the year, because this thing is working for you. Give your liver some love. Let's go into how. We need to know what affects the liver. And one of the major things is infection. Of course, we know hepatitis is one of the infections that inflames the liver, can lead to cirrhosis. Okay, but what about other infections like Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, herpes simplex virus, different bacteria like salmonella, parasites, fungi, candida. These are all things that can affect the liver. So we have to make sure, one, we have our immune system that's strong and robust. We're giving it foods to keep it strong and robust. We're giving it uh, nutrients to keep it strong and robust, whether it's supplemental, whatever it is, doing the things to take care of our immune system to keep these bugs or exposures at bay. What about medications? Acetaminophen, we know Tylenol does affect the liver. Uh, other things that you may not know is antibiotics like Augmentin, uh, antidepressants. So there's a list of medications out there that do affect the liver and can affect the liver. Your doctor should be telling you about it before you start on it and or if it's over the counter, just be aware, make sure you're reading the package insert and know because if you have predisposed liver issues, you wanna make sure you're not predisposing yourself more to any damage. And also making sure if you're taking herbs, right? This is, this is something important to know. Just because it's natural does not mean it's always safe. I repeat that. Just because it's natural does not mean it's always safe. So pay close attention because if you're taking herbs, one, they can be contraindicated to the medication you're taking, right? They can actually reduce the effectiveness or over accentuate the effectiveness of an herb uh, by affecting the CYP enzymes, as I mentioned. So pay close attention, and this is something that um, your doctor or practitioner should actually uh, look over and make sure that there's no interaction. There's a group of alkaloids, they're called pyrrolizidine alkaloids, and these are constituents in these certain herbs. Now, 
if you're taking an herb, make sure that it's not high in pyrrolizidine alkaloids or doesn't contain pyrrolizidine alkaloids because if you're taking it long term for a period of time, it can affect the liver, right? Short, one exposure or taking it every now and then, it'll do less than something like everyday Tylenol will do, but pay close attention, right? Uh, I'm a natural doctor, but I, I, I got to make sure that I hold everything accountable, including herbs. I love herbs. But what about, what about other things? What, what else affects the liver? In addition of toxic exposures, I spoke about all the toxins that can affect it. So being very, uh, very uh, cognizant of what is affecting your liver. So making sure you're reducing toxic load, toxic exposures, uh, personal care products, what you're inhaling, what you're eating. And I do a lot of shows about this. This is my thing. I love talking about environmental medicine. Um, but then when you pair that with poor nutrition, your body's not getting those nutrients, your liver's not getting those nutrients to help break down those toxins and then protect it from the byproducts. Oh my God, exercise is important for liver health. It's gonna move blood, increase blood flow to the liver, right? Uh, and that's going to be so important in detoxification. And what else? What else? What else? I said, I said exercise, but it's also going to help reduce weight. Why? Because the more weight we're holding, the more we are at risk for something called fatty liver disease. All right. Uh, moving on, nutrition. I always, you know, that's my thing. Reducing sugars, reducing trans fats, reducing processed foods. I can go off about GMOs for for two, three, four, five hours, but make sure you're reducing or getting rid of GMO foods. You don't know what they are, go online and type them in and make sure you know them all. Choosing organic is important for this, right? Because the more pesticides we're putting in our body, the more our liver is overworking and working hard for us. Reducing alcohol. We all know here that alcohol puts a strain on our liver. I mean, that's, that's common knowledge, but making sure you're reducing alcohol, particularly if you're being exposed to all of this stuff and you have a crappy diet, then you're just making a perfect storm for liver issues, detoxification issues, hormonal issues. What about foods? High citrus fruits. You're, get, you're getting a lot of vitamin C, quercetin. Really important, as I mentioned in the breakdown of these toxins. Cruciferous veggies, I mentioned that already, the sulfur. Green tea has been shown to support the liver. Make sure if you have liver issues, you talk to your doctor first before taking it. But yes, it's been shown to be an antioxidant and reducing those free radicals. Man, berries, berries, berries. I eat berries every morning. Three to four times a week has been shown to reduce and be an, to reduce oxidation in the liver and be a protectant to the liver. The same thing goes with grapes. Leafy greens, I don't think you can go wrong with leafy greens. I feel like that is indicated for so many things. Why? It's dense in chlorophyll, and that's helping provide uh, blood cleansing and giving you the minerals that you need to help the liver function. One of my favorite, one of my favorites is beets, right? Beets have something called betalanes, and betalanes are so important. They give beets the red color, and if you ask yourself when you peel a beet what it looks like, it kind of looks like a liver, really cool, interesting doctrine of signatures given by nature to say, hey, this looks a little bit like a liver, let me eat it. But more importantly, what this does is it's therapeutic in protecting the liver. It helps, it helps reduce those oxidants. It helps give minerals for breaking down uh, liver toxins, so important. Um, as I mentioned, healthy oils before, making, making sure you're eating enough healthy oils, nuts, seeds, if you eat fish, um, uh, cold water, wild caught fish, uh, omega-3s are really important. Something that I'm gonna talk about and it's actually gonna leak over into the product review is that the importance of omega-3s and omega-6s. There's omega-6s, although needed, we should not be having it as high as we do in a uh, standard American diet. The Ameri omega-6s to omega-3 ratio 
Omega-3s are more anti-inflammatory. We could take it by rule of thumb. Omega-6s are more inflammatory. The ratio of six to one should be about one to one, maybe two to one. But in the American diet, we have about 15 to 20 to one, way too much omega-6s. So pay close attention to what foods you're eating that are high, high, high in omega-6s and low, low, low in omega-3s. Make sure you're getting enough omega-3s in whatever way you can. That's gonna be really important for your liver, protecting, detoxifying, giving you all the goodies you need. Um, and actually, I did my last episode or two episodes, two episodes ago on, on coffee. Uh, actually, coffee has been uh, shown to activate the enzymes in the liver to detoxify really cool, decrease inflammation, increase antioxidants. So another thing, but make sure you listen to that episode because I talked about the importance of having high quality coffee. Remember, quality is everything with coffee. And lastly, fiber, 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 fiber. I will say it 1,000 times. Fiber is one of the most, probably the most important nutrient you could be get, you could be getting in your diet. That's going to help you detoxify. It's going to help you poop out those toxins. Really important to have fiber in your life. Look, the liver needs love. I don't care if you're a marathon runner. I don't care if you're drinking alcohol every day. Give your liver love. Make sure you're getting those nutrients to break down toxins. Make sure you're getting those nutrients to help support oxi uh, reduce oxidation in the in the liver. Uh, nutrition, exercise. I mean, these are all basic fundamental things for health. But now we know the very particulars that we need to implement for our liver health. That's the knowledge bomb. Take it away. Love your liver. Love your liver. Let's move on to the product review. All right, today's product review is on chips, particularly tortilla chips. I'm going to do a product review on this is because ever since I was little, I love tortilla chips. Who doesn't love to snack on tortilla chips? But I want to teach you all how to shop for them. What are the rules of thumb? Okay, really important. First and foremost, most of these tortilla chips are going to be made out of corn. They're going to be corn-based. The rule of thumb is that majority, we already know majority, 93% of corn in the United States is genetically modified. If you don't know what genetically modified food is, please Google it or start researching. Go down the rabbit hole because it's really important for your health long-term to understand what genetically modified food is, what glyphosate is. Back to that. Non-organic tortilla chips are a no-no. Never get non-organic tortilla chips because you're already guaranteed to be getting corn. What you want is organic tortilla chips. Also, really important to understand is that many of these tortilla chips um, are also uh, paired with oil, right? You'll see sunflower, safflower, avocado, but canola oil and corn, non-organic is a pair you wanna stay away from. Really important because canola oil comes from rapeseed, but when it's not organic, and I'm not, I'm not, and I'm gonna say this now, I'm not even a fan of organic canola oil. I'll tell you why. But when canola oil is non-organic, it's being processed from a crude oil chemical called hexane, right? So it's 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 aggressively processed, taken out, removed, and then you're getting canola oil. Canola oil is already a processed oil, period. Uh, but when it's organic. It's not when it's not organic, you're getting it from hexane. Hexane, hexane is a nasty thing. You don't want a crude oil byproduct going into your mouth, period. Not to mention, though, canola oil is genetically modified food, high in glyphosate, really crappy. On top of that, even if it's organic, you don't want it. Why? Well, organic bypasses the hexane, uh, the hexane step, and it's actually squeezed out. But it, it's also already inherently high in anti-nutrients, right? Uh, erucic acid, it's called. It's low in omega, 
right? And the profile is really poor for cooking because even if it's an organic canola oil, it's not processed with hexane, it's squeezed out, but it still has a poor fatty acid profile. It's high in something called erucic acid that's a potent anti-nutrient. It's low in omega-3s and it's really poor for cooking. It oxidizes and gets rancid pretty damn fast. So why would we even be using canola oil in general? Why is it in so much stuff? Well, it's really cheap. It's cheap to use, it's cheap to produce. Um, and, and that's why you're seeing it in a lot of these chips. So look, take home, you go to the supermarket, you go, I'm having a party with my loved ones and we're gonna get tortilla and we're gonna get salsa and dip. Well, make sure one, you're not getting conventional corn chips with corn and it has no canola oil. And if it's organic and you're having organic corn chips, make sure that the um, make sure that the, there's no canola oil, even if it's even if it's organic. Organic corn chips, if it still has organic canola oil, stay away from it. Now, when it comes to the organic uh, chips, you'll see a lot of them have safflower or sunflower oil, and it's usually high in that. Uh, it, it, it'll even say safflower and or sunflower oil. The problem with safflower and sunflower oil is they're high in those omega-6s, as I mentioned before. Omega-6s tend to be inflammatory. Uh, when you talk about safflower oil, it's 75% omega-6. When you talk about sunflower oil, it's 65% omega-6, respectively, for these two. So what, what I'm saying is that you want to make sure that if you're having corn chips or you're having chips in general that, that are made with safflower, sunflower oil, well, make sure in the day you're getting omega-3s, right? You're having flax or you're having uh, cold water fish if you're having or fish oil, whatever it is, you're having those omega-3s to help balance out. Remember the daily ratio as I was talking about, you want it to be one to one. And I said, American diet usually has 15 to 20 to one omega-6 to omega-3s. No good, no good for heart health, no good for body health, no good for liver health. So pay, pay close attention to this. So there's a lot of these organic chips that are out there. It's, I, I actually haven't found one that is really good. I know Siete is the most popular one and I wanted to talk about this. Um, I, everyone here knows I have trust issues with products. And when I first saw Siete, literally it's it, the only certification stamp it had was uh, Abuela approved, and in Latin culture, Abuela's grandma approved. So it was grandma approved. I go, okay, that's cute, but you know, what, how do I know that these products are organic? Now, luckily, I had a friend who visited the facility in Texas, and what they learned was about the production and quality of these. Because at any other day, I'd be like, look, Siete is just bamboozling me here. I got hoodwinked by Siete because I'm eating it. It's greenwashing me. Uh, but basically what it is, it's, um, it uses cassava. Cassava is a root that is uh, in South America. It's yuca. I grew up with yuca, but I didn't know it was cassava. But it's high in something called resistant starch that helps the microbiome. But it's really nice because, look, Siete chips are grain-free and corn-free. A lot of people are grain-free. I know a lot of people have corn allergies. So they've opened and tapped into a market of corn-free, uh, corn grain-free to, uh, to help other people who have allergies to these or avoiding these. It's really cool. They're tasty. Okay. But we want to make sure that we know what's in it. Now, it's not organic. Uh, it has cassava. It's cooked in avocado. Um, and it has uh, chia seeds um, and coconut. So three of those four 
don't need to be organic, right? Cassava, actually, they've been found, it's commercially produced ones don't necessarily need uh, fungicides, pesticides, they're seldomly used in general. Avocado is one of the uh, clean 15, doesn't need to be necessarily organic, and nor do coconuts. The only thing of concern in these siete chips are the chia seeds, because we know the chia seeds uh, it should be organic. All the chia seeds that I consume are organic. So that's the downside for the Tiete chips. But overall, 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 quality-wise, it's better. It's better than most of them out there, right? I'd like to see, I'd really like to see, and if you're listening, Siete, I'd like to see this company have uh, a USDA organic label because that would just bring it to the next level and in my opinion would be the best tortilla chips out there. When it comes to Siete, I think that they are overall pretty good. Like I said, I'd like to see their chia seeds in particular be organic. Um, so again, you're going out, you're getting tortilla chips, make sure it's always organic, no corn, no canola, even if it is organic, it doesn't have canola. If it has safflower or sunflower and you're eating a whole bag of chips, then make sure you're balancing that out with omega-3s in your day, right? Especially in that day. Um, and then the siete chips, I think they're pretty good. I think they should be organic. Um, only one of the ingredients in the, um, the original flavor or the plain flavor uh, is of concern and that's the chia seeds. But at the end of the day, you know, we can't go crazy over everything. So make sure you follow these rules when you're buying tortilla chips, all right? I'm here to help you. I'm here to drop some knowledge. I'm here to empower you all to make sure that you're uh, informed consumers and making some really good decisions. So I really hope that helped you. Um, if you have any questions, look, I'm always seeking for better chips. So um, if you follow on Instagram, I will be putting up any of your chips that I find that are even better than the Siete. Um, but as of now, uh, going to the store and buying right now. Those are some of the best ones. All right, let's move on to our special guest. I've been excited for this for quite a while. All right, everyone. Today's special guest is a close friend of mine. I had the pleasure of working with her when I moved out to California. She is a guru of all things healing, an incredible coworker, an incredible person. Dr. Diane Fong, Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to have you on. We've been talking about this for quite a while, um, so finally, I got, I pulled you out of Mountain View, California, right. and brought you down <laughs> to my scene in LA. Mm -hmm. How are you liking coming down here? Good, love it. Just went to the co-op around the street. Yeah, it's really nice. Some healthy yeah, food. Some healthy food. Some healthy snacks. So. Yeah. Do you do you notice that um, Los Angeles has a lot of access to healthy food? Yes, I know. Yeah. A little more than where what we have up in the area. We yeah. only have co-ops where I am. No, 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 no. no. When uh, when I was up there, uh, I was surprised because there's not. I mean, there's healthy food options, but when I came down here, it was like on steroids. Yeah. I know. I was like, why on we every block? We need to get with the program. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Berkeley, though. If mm -hmm. you go to Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Berkeley's a really cool area. And mm -hmm. I know that Oakland has some spots, a little like... Mm -hmm. It's up and coming. Hole in the walls yeah. up and coming. So, yeah. So if you're going to the Bay Area's listening, listeners, viewers, make sure you check out Oakland and Berkeley for some healthy food, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I've known you since school. Yes. We went to the same school. <laughs> I remember when um, I was a secondary and I was following you right. and you were my primary. You were like one of the first primaries I followed. So uh -huh. uh, you really show me how to do it in the clinic. And one thing I always notice about you is you're really intuitive. Okay. Like what moving around with other primaries 
uh, as soon as I got into clinic, I, you stuck out for me because you had this rapport with patients and it, and intuition became something so important to me after that because I saw how connected you are to patients' sentiments and feelings and emotions. How, w- what place does that have in your practice now, intuition? Yeah, it's really big. Um, when I treat patients, um, a big part of what I look at is just um, how, what they're dealing with emotionally. So even though they're coming to me maybe for some physical symptoms, the emotional piece is always there. So that's where intuition plays a really big role in terms of the way they answer questions, their body language, and you know, just using that intuition to kind of read between the lines mm-hmm. and figure out the, uh, the root cause of the problem is usually hidden and even they don't know what it is. So we just try to read between the lines and figure that out. So how often is one of the root causes for a disease emotion or trapped emotions or things that aren't moving around or addressed? I would say that it's pretty much 100% of the time, every single patient that walks through my door, there's some type of either trapped trauma or emotion that we just need to uncover. And if we can uncover that, then um, the wall or the barrier to healing is is removed. Mm -hmm. So you mean to tell me someone can't come in, you give them a supplement or herb and bring them home and that's, that's not... To me, that's, you know, that takes care of 50% of the problem. So yeah. if the healing spectrum is from here to here, um, 100% healing, we always need to deal with some type of emotional, energetics, you know, maybe spiritual um, healing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just giving a supplement or doing physical healing is just not enough usually. Not so, yeah. so, so the good practitioner is always looking as, at the patient as a whole, right? And the emotional, the mental components for us. So um, what are, and this is something that always stuck out to me, you did this analogy of this cup filling up, right? Yeah. <laughs> you do that with every patient, right? Right, they, well, I use a funnel now. I, I okay. call it the detox funnel. Okay. Right, and so I say everyone has a detox funnel. And uh, physically, that's your liver, gallbladder, and all your detox pathways. And um, basically, as we, as we live nowadays, we just fill this funnel. And nowadays, we have so many toxins in our world, right? As mm-hmm. you go over in your podcast a yeah. lot, um, that this funnel physically gets filled a lot with chemical toxicities, heavy metal toxicities. Um, dental work is a big one. I'm finding root canals, mm-hmm. cavitations in your wisdom teeth. Um, um, EMF. I mean, there's so many Oof. types of toxicity that are filling our funnel physically. But then I always go into the emotional piece too. We're also filling that funnel with emotional toxins. Mm-hmm. And I usually say that the size of the funnel is determined by how much stress you have and how much trauma you're carrying around. And so the more trauma you're carrying around, the more stress you have, the smaller your funnel is going to be. So the less you're going to be able to um, handle the environmental toxins that we're exposed to. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I, I, I can picture that in my head. <laughs> the whole time you said it, I had this weird funnel in my head. Yeah, I actually have a drawing on my website now that I've Do you? drawn. It's not the most beautiful picture, but... <laughs> yeah, you've extracted it from that whiteboard behind your desk right. into putting it... Yeah, so, right. so um, yeah, the listeners may or may not know that, yeah, we work together mm-hmm. when I first came to California. Yeah. And, and that's where I got the filling of the cup type yes. analogy with yes. patients. It's so easy to understand, mm-hmm. right? Because then you go, whoa, wait, this is filling it up too? Oh, this is filling it up too. Right. But a really important component you said is the size of the cup or the funnel is mm-hmm. really emphasized by how much stress and emotional trauma you have in your life. Right. Right. So for people, what it, like, 
is emotional trauma sexual abuse or is it, are there other traumas growing up that that we have that are less because um the the breath coach talked about small t traumas mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it's not always yeah. something that is big that is sticking out in your head but they right. accumulate over time right. too right. anything about that that you can talk absolutely about? so uh, i'll just give the example for me so i do this type of therapy called emotion code and what the emotion code does is it identifies the trapped traumas or trapped emotions that you're holding on to. And I like to say you're holding on to them and you kind of walk through life and they're really heavy. It's like you're carrying a ton of bricks and it's just really heavy. And so every decision you make, every um, physical pathway your body needs to take is affected by the heaviness of these things that have happened to you. Um, so for me, when I did, when someone did emotion code to me, and what was uncovered was very simple. At the age of five, I felt that I stopped receiving love from my mom. And it was really simple. It was because my sister was born. Mm -hmm. And my mom started to really shuffle her love to my sister and thought that I could take care of myself. And I really felt like I didn't receive the same amount of love that I did prior to that. Mm -hmm. And that has actually affected me through my whole life. And so that was uncovered. And so that is a mini trauma. Yeah. Right. It's not like, you it's not it like a huge, yeah. I was, you know, you know, something sure, severe sure. happened. Yeah. It's a little thing that does affect you, but it does affect, you know, everything that you do, all the decisions you make, all the relationships you have going forward, et cetera. And so when that was uncovered and it was released and identified, it just really brought a sense of clarity and um, and just peace that that it's just hard to explain once yeah. you kind of release that. So that's just a simple trauma. And then, of course, there can be very severe traumas, too. But if you're making decisions based on these mini traumas, it can you can walk through life with anxiety or insomnia because you're not feeling loved or you're not feeling wanted or something like that and you're feeling all this stress and trauma and now your funnel gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller oh, smaller because you're walking around with anxiety all the time or insomnia all the time and you're not getting the sleep you need and that funnel's getting smaller so then you don't have the capacity to handle the toxins like you would have if you were just open and relaxed and in parasympathetic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see a lot of people who <laughs> they smoke so much, they're they're working and they're exposed to toxins so much, they're eating like crap, but they're so vital, right? They have their constitution is so strong mm -hmm. that they can handle these things. So you you start thinking about all these type of things. Right. Is it hard to really identify? I mean, the, the problem is how do people even identify how many small T's they've had in their life or, or how, because people can go through life and saying, well, I'm anxious or I have insomnia or I have really crappy relationships with boyfriends or girlfriends or partners that I have. Um, is, there, is there a first step that people can do to become aware of this stuff first? Um, well, I think, I think seeing a naturopathic doctor is a really great step because mm -hmm. we just kind of look at, at least in my practice and I know in yours, we look at things from a really holistic point of view. Yeah. So my first visit is usually like two and a half hours, right? You know that, where yeah. I'm really just assessing all parts of the person, the physical part, doing functional tests, physical exam, and then doing an emotional assessment too. And so it's not always the emotional piece. Sometimes it is the physical piece 
The other part that plays a really big role in how big your funnel is is genetics, right? So if um, you have methylation issues or you, you have other types of detox pathway variants in your genetics, that funnel is going to be smaller too. Yeah. So I'm assessing all of this. I'm asking about family history, et cetera. And I don't, it's never just one thing, right? It's like 10 things yeah. that make up the symptoms that you're, that, yeah. why is it overflowing? It's not just one, it's like 10 different types of toxins, whether it be emotional or physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I, sometimes I visualize it in my own head. Sometimes I don't even say it out loud about like a, a wheel or a pizza pie mm -hmm. and then how many pieces or chunks in there are, are, are manifesting as this patient's pathology. Right. So, um, and sometimes a huge chunk of it is mental, emotional traumas or things we're holding in on. And then just on the surface, like the iceberg we see is like, oh, I have arthritis or, you know, I have anxiety. Yeah. Um, and instead of going and getting a Band-Aid, right, we really have to get to that root or what's under that that water, the glacier, mm -hmm. yeah. to uncover. And sometimes it's difficult to uncover for patients. But I know that we as naturopathic doctors can help bring them to water show them what's in front of them, and then they make the decision to jump right. in, right? right? It's not, we're, we're just we're Right, just we're just showing you the way. <laughs> we're just showing and the I, way. And, and being the detective, identifying what needs to be done. Yeah, and yeah. that's what we do on the show. It's like empowerment, right? Mm -hmm. Informed yeah. consent empowerment. Like, now it's in front of you. Here, you do you. Like, what mm -hmm. are you going to do with it? Yeah. Um, shifting a little bit, we have had so much demand to talk about kids. Mm -hmm. And when we work together... Um, sometimes there'd be kids running around and everyone in the office would go, no, that's not my patient <laughs> because you were taking all of the kids Yeah, and know. it's time. We want to know about pediatrics, kids' health, what to do, how to approach it. Like, let's say, let's say what, what is some of the main pathologies you see coming into your office when it comes to kids? I think number one would be eczema. I just see that in so many kids nowadays. Um, and then it's interesting cause that's actually what I had. That's how I became a naturopathic doctor is yeah. I was basically born with eczema. Yeah. Um, and I had such terrible eczema that I would scratch and scratch and all my hair fell out. Mm -hmm. So if you look at pictures of me as a baby, I, I literally have no hair cause mm -hmm. I'm just scratching. Um, and that's what made me want to be a doctor cause I want to figure all of that out. Um, and I guess in my own healing, um, I wanted to be a dermatologist and I was trying to go that route. And, but then what I found in that route is that the only answers they have are give me steroid creams. Yeah. And even, you know, Hey, is, is diet involved? Is there diet? No, no, there isn't, you know? Yeah. Um, so as I learned more and more, one of the things I found is that I was born with eczema because I kind of inherited all this toxicity from my mom. So if you looked in my mom's mouth when I was born, she, all of her teeth had amalgams in it. So mm. she basically had so much mercury in her system. And when I was in her womb, it basically transferred all to me. Yeah, we see that. It can pass yeah. right through the placenta. Right, right. And so when I would scratch, I remember this, I would scratch and um, it would smell like metal. Really? And I didn't, I didn't have any amalgams. Wow. I didn't really eat tuna that much. I mean, there, was, there weren't many sources of um, mercury or heavy metals in my system, but I would wear nickel jewelry and I would get so itchy and, and that doesn't happen anymore at all mm. because I cleaned my funnel, mm -hmm. right? Um, but so that's what I see is in kids, 
that especially when it's like infancy and when it's right at the beginning, that one of the things is mom might have been carrying around a lot of toxins and then it transfers into baby. So that's one thing that I see. Um, so cleaning the funnel is still applicable to, to kids, to infants. And so let's say we're dealing with like a newborn how do I treat that? You know, they're so small. What do we do? Homeopathy is really one of the greatest tools that I have because mm -hmm. it's very safe. It's very dilute. And so I find a remedy that will basically open up those detox pathways and, and release what's going on. Now, when it comes out in the skin, I usually say, okay, the funnel's so full that things are trying to get in the funnel, but they can't get in. So they just circulate through the system and they find an exit point and the skin is the exit point, Yeah. right? It's largest organ, Largest right? organ and the least important organ too. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's going out through the skin because it's like your body says, well, let's protect everything else. Let's protect all the important organs. Let's just get it out through the skin. Um, so eczema is huge. Um, I think the other problem is that, we're, you know, when you're a C-section baby, you're not getting the flora from mother's birth canal. Mm -hmm. And so they're missing the good flora, the good bacteria to really help them digest well and to the good army that's defending yeah. against the world too. Um, so that's another mm -hmm. issue I see. Um, the other thing that I see is, um, you know, not breastfeeding. That's a really big one. If, um, if mothers are, if uh, babies are doing formula, then what kind of formula are they doing? And this is not mother's milk. And they're becoming intolerant to dairy, to soy, to all these things. And then, you know, um, it's causing leakiness in the gut because it's causing inflammation in the gut. And now they're getting ear infections, right? And mm -hmm. that's the second one, I would say. Yeah, ear infections, ear infections. And tonsil, tonsillitis. Really? Yeah. So, so what should these parents, be, how do they approach this? Because you know, if you have an ear infection, you're gonna get some medication, go home medication, go home, yeah. maybe a surgery at some point, right? right? Ear Tantalitis. tubes. Yeah, right. ear tubes. So uh, is it, is it, should they be looking at diet first? Uh, let's say someone can't even afford to go to a naturopathic doctor. How, 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 do, how do we empower these listeners and viewers yeah. on what to do? Uh, I would say diet is one of the first places to look. So uh, dairy would be one of the biggest ones that I see as the problem. Um, formula would be, you know, one of the bigger uh, issues. Um, and then you have all your other allergenic foods that you want to look at too. But I do notice that dairy in terms of tonsillitis and um, ear infections, that dairy is the biggest culprit. So I would just try removing dairy for three weeks. Uh, the antibodies to dairy antibodies are um, the body's signal that there's an invader, that there's something wrong. And those antibodies trigger an inflammatory response. So uh, if you remove for three weeks, those antibodies will fall down. So you have to give it at least three weeks. If, mm -hmm. you know that, if you notice that there's improvement, then you keep going until there's no more ear infections, no more eczema, et cetera. So I would say dairy is one of the number one things I see in my practice. Really cool. And how about gluten? What's, what's up with that? Is that is I that would say gluten too, but a lot of the times the ear infections are happening even before food is even introduced. Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's when the formula is being given, yeah. but absolutely with gluten also. So dairy would be at the top of my list. Second would be probably gluten. Um, and then eggs, corn, soy, yeah. all those key allergens. 
that are I, found in the formulas. That are also found in the formulas. The yeah. corn syrup. And yeah, the soy, different soy the isolates. Soy, yeah, yeah sure. there's a lot in there. And, um, and uh, you know, if, if you can breastfeed, I, that's the best. But, you know, of course, sometimes people have problems with breastfeeding as well too um there are breast milk banks where you can get breast milk that's I've one option yeah. yeah um and i think sometimes that that could be worth it you know um just to give baby uh the good nutrients that the baby needs colostrum and all of that that's not found in the formula yeah i mean eczema in even i've seen parents with their infants or young toddlers full face full of eczema yeah. head so hair. around the mouth yeah and on the cheeks, that is just clear. That's food. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a redness around the mouth and then a right here on the cheeks. That's just, okay, if that. I see a baby like that, okay, it's, it's food. It's something in the diet. Okay. And so just a straight elimination diet, taking out all those main allergens for three weeks is what I would do. Really cool. Yeah, and then you'll just see that go down. It might not go away completely. Then you want to just keep going until it goes down completely. Yeah, okay. Um, the only thing, as we both know, is sometimes it's not enough to just take out the food, right? Which I see sometimes because right. it's not going away for some reason. Right, so you have to heal the gut lining because the gut lining has gotten inflamed Already. from those foods. Mm-hmm. And now it's leaky, right? Those cells are supposed to be really close together. But when the food keeps inflaming the area, those cells spread apart and then they get leaky. Yeah. And then now all the foods are leaking through. So when these parents come in and like, I can't give my kid anything, everything I give my kid, it just everything flares, it's now that their gut is really leaky. And their gut is really leaky from that. That's really interesting stuff. So for the parents who who eliminate the foods, they can now maybe hook up with a naturopathic doctor, maybe a functional doctor on addressing the gut function for their kids. Right. Right? Really important. Right, so listeners, viewers, make sure the gut is important even at an early age to be taken care of. So much of health is sprouting from that for children, toddlers, young young teenagers, and adults. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, what about behavioral issues? I know a lot of kids come in, and pff, so many doctors don't even know where to start with this, and even naturopathic doctors not not knowing where to start. Um, uh, do we look at toxins for these kids? Do we look at food, food coloring? Where, where does, where do parents, uh, how do we empower these parents for that? Yeah, so all of the above, right? Yeah. It's the same detox funnel situation. And so for the kids, uh, food is one thing. So these allergens, that's one thing to look at. But then it's all the sugar, you know, the preservatives, the, um, the artificial dyes, the all of that. We yeah. need to look at all of that. And we need to be giving our kids whole foods. And I think as parents, and me being a parent myself, it's just easier to give your kids something easy. And everyone else is having mac and cheese, so okay, I'm just gonna give mac and cheese too. Yeah. Um, so food and the food toxins, which includes you know the, those preservatives and the food dyes and all that. Um, I think EMF is one of the bigger things too. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So kids using the cell phones and the laptops and the iPads and I mean constantly. Every kid. Every kid. I see it all the time. Yeah. So I think EMF is going to be one of the bigger problems going forward because everything is electromagnetic waves. We got iPhone watches now and I mean literally everything. Um, so I actually tell parents to use uh, this product called the Neutralizer, and it's from a company called Altera. And I have it on my phone. It's a little sticker. And what it does is it neutralizes the EMF waves um, from the phone. 
and so it, it clears it and actually in I've tested it and it, it does work so I sell it at my office oh, cool. and I have everyone put one on their cell phone and at least two on your laptop um, and there's other ways of doing that too turning off your Wi-Fi at night so when important. everyone's sleeping yeah. um, turning off like if your kid is sleeping next to um, a computer, a printer, unplug it or turn it off. Mm -hmm. um, actually, unplug it would be better. Yeah, right? Because yeah. there's still EMF going through there if it's plugged in too. So um, I think EMF is actually pretty big because when p kids come into my office, what do the parents give them so that they are, mm -hmm. <laughs> they give them an iPad yeah. and they're, you know, right in front of me, it's happening. And I think that's one of the big problems too. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of studies on young children, are they're predisposed to EMF much more than us as adults with the developing brains. Mm -hmm. So, so important, even if your kid is using a phone, never to put it by their head. Right. Really important. Right. So it's about a foot. What the studies have shown is that um, if it's a foot away from you, then the EMF doesn't affect you as much. Yeah. Yeah. But to to emphasize, unplugging that that Wi-Fi router every right. night. Right. Every night is really key. Um, I know in Canada there was a whole parent association that basically said we don't want any Wi-Fi in our school because they didn't have Wi-Fi and then they did. And what they noticed is all the kids started to start having ADD, ADHD, yeah. anxiety. And so when they turned it back off, I believe all the children started to get better again. It's so crazy. And now so, we're going to 5G and, and it's, and yeah. I'm going to have a whole episode on all of yeah. this. So yeah, you need to. Yeah. Viewers, <laughs> listeners, hold tight, sit tight. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad the work that you do on kids. It's so important for, I mean, I, I get so many questions from parents or soon to be parents and I'm like, I don't practice this, you know? So uh, I was so excited to get someone who can talk about children and empower these parents. So, so what, what are some tips, just top tips, new parents, with yeah. newborns, what can they do? There's another thing that's really controversial that I'll talk, I want to talk about just a little bit is vaccinations. And I think that, especially in California now, us having to give our kids vaccinations and medical exemptions being very difficult. Um, but I think there is a way to give vaccinations that can be better for the children, uh, which means that we space them out a little bit. And then we also give immune support and usually give immune support two weeks prior to the vaccination and then two weeks after so that the system is really supported and then you give one vaccination at a time mm -hmm. rather than giving them all together yeah um, yeah so i saw this i saw this illustration of like a, a pin cushion looking like a tomato mm -hmm. and it said um the 70s the 90s and now and each pin right. represented right. a vaccination and i was so shocked to see me being an 80s baby how little or, or spaced out, or just a total amount of vaccinations. How different it was when we got vaccinated. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I'm kind of scared to have a kid, to be honest, because yeah. this is a major yeah. thing. But I think it's important, and I never talk about vaccinations because I just don't dive into it. It's yeah. too controversial. Yeah. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, and I don't even know if we want to mention it here, but what no, I, it's what, important to say the way you. What I would say yeah. is the thing that I would say is when giving vaccinations give support, yeah. give immune support. Give support, space them out automatically. Yeah. I, I would agree with mm -hmm. that on the, from the first place. Um, so that, and then um, giving your kids whole food diet, you said that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, I guess making sure they're outside in nature right. instead of being in front of the TV or, uh -huh. or iPad, really important for them to get back to nature. Like you said, protecting their gut. 
really mm-hmm. important things too, keeping their gut healthy. Um, anything else that people need so to know? So for the kids, so for the kids with ADD, ADHD, anxiety, this is a huge problem, right? Yeah. Um, panic attacks. Uh, this is a huge growing problem for our kids, and you know the way that we're dealing with it in con- the conventional world with just giving these children medications is really it's really not an answer. It's a it's a band aid that's actually going to hurt them more. So what the um, what these mental health issues arise from again is the filling of this detox funnel, right? Yeah. So the funnel's really full and the toxins can't go through and so they're circulating around and then the brain's becoming neurotoxic. So mm-hmm. it's really neurotoxicity that's happening. Um, so again, just identifying what those toxins are, removing them, and just in general, look, like assessing your whole life and just seeing, okay, where can I clean it up? My cleaning supplies, the shampoo we use, you know, our water. I like to filter shower water and drinking water. Yeah. And a great so resource is ewg.org. Yeah. I don't know if you I talk about that. it every okay, show. Okay, good. My, <laughs> so the, ewg.org, they know, yeah. They know the website inside And then, out. right, and so if you need a water filter, go there. Your mattress, your everything, right? I love it. Everything needs to be clean. And so just doing that, you'll notice a huge difference with your kids. Just doing that, period. Yeah. Um, Then the other side is the emotional detox, right? So one thing is that we not only carry physical toxins to our children, but we also carry on emotional toxicity too. Mm -hmm. So if we're carrying that, especially as mothers, if we're dealing with any emotional problems while the baby's in our womb, it actually does carry on to our kids. And then our kids kind of are born with traumas already. They're already born with these things. Um, so I do this type of therapy called emotion code mm-hmm. and I would maybe have um, listeners reach out to maybe a practitioner who does emotion code if they have kids with ADD, ADHD, anxiety, et cetera, panic attacks. Yeah. Um, Cause they might be carrying around traumas that are maybe theirs, but maybe even it comes from the parents. Right. Yeah. And I, and the emotion code actually clears, it clears all these traumas and these, um, emotional toxicities that we carry around and we lug around and it affects how we are. So, you know, I have kids in my practice, panic attacks, anxiety. I do one session of emotion code on them. They come back three weeks later and they're totally fine. I love that. I'm happy. Dr. Fong, I have no more problems. That's amazing. I have no more panic attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are so vital that it doesn't take very much. It's like it doesn't. one session I, I and remember, we're done. Right? I remember. We yeah. used to see with your kids one one session. One I'm session like, and they're they're done. This An kid adult, was running, yeah. a different right. Yeah, like for us, different. it's like it takes ten sessions for it's us a, to clear the stuff we're carrying around. It's so interesting what you say because I remember reading. Uh, I think it was a Scandinavian or Swedish study about uh, just high cortisol environments for the mom changing epigenetically the children right. to become more obese because they're coming into this world and the body's going, oh my God, we're coming we're into trauma. a world. Yeah, yeah. trauma, yeah. uh, scarcity of food, let's right. hold in fat. Right. Um, so can that's just one sliver of it. Imagine right. how much other traumas or the hormonal state of the mom or the toxic state of the mom being passed on to the child or even energetic state of the right. mom pa- passed right. on to the child. I love that. Yeah, well, it, there's, a, there's good research that was done with Holocaust survivors and the Holocaust survivors, their children actually have PTSD with no trauma. Whoa. Because they basically transferred onto their children. Now this study was more about the genetics of it, that the Holocaust survivors, 
their genetics changed because they were in so much trauma yeah. that it just went down to their kids. And now their kids are wired for, yeah. for trauma. Predisposition basically. to, yeah. yeah. And so they have PTSD and they have no idea why. It's like, why do I have trauma when I've never been through trauma? So emotion code is a really great way to clear that. And there's so many other ways to do that, right? Meditation and yeah. there's so many other ways um, to really access that. Um, the inner traumas and bring them out and then clear them. Yeah, I know. I know you did your you launched your detox program as part of that. Involved in the emotion code in that. Or yeah. What, what so one from? whole week is dedicated to emotionally detoxing. In your program. In my program. That's cool. Yeah. Can, can I do it? Can anyone do yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we have a website. It's detox flush transform, and it's um, it's a medically directed detox program. Um, and it's not really like an average detox. You're going to do a lot of different things. I'm going to walk you through cleaning up your whole home, your diet, and just everything. I educate you. Um, the first, uh, so it, part of it is videos, and you watch a bunch of videos, and you really learn and understand all the different forms of toxicity that we're carrying around, the dental toxins, the EMF, everything I've mentioned so far. Cool. Yeah, and then, um, and then you do your, uh, your own assessment, and this is in the, you know, the comfort of your home. You'll do a urinalysis. I see a lot of things in a routine urinalysis. Mm -hmm. I can see whether you're carrying around gallstones. This is another big issue for adults, I would say, the is that gallbladder congestion, most people have gallstones and we just don't know about it until it's too late and mm -hmm. you need to do a gallbladder surgery, Yeah, yeah. right? So that gallbladder and that liver are playing such a big role. So I educate on that. And then the biggest part of it is you do a four week detox where you clean everything up, home, emotional, diet, et cetera. And then you do a flush, a liver gallbladder flush where um, you literally take everything that's been clogging your liver and your gallbladder for one whole decade and you flush it out mm. and then you see gallstones in the toilet. <laughs> That's interesting stuff. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. It's actually really comfortable yeah. treatment, but um, it's amazing. It's it's clearing out a decade worth of toxins. So they need to check night. that out. What liver what is it detox? It's called detoxflushtransform.com. All right, they need yeah. to do that. Y'all need to check that out. Seriously, detox is so important. Uh, it's it's the major intervention, emotional physical detox. You'd be happy to know that earlier we uh, on this show I did a whole segment, the knowledge bomb segment it was on liver. Nice. It was a liver love. <laughs> and I talked about phase one, phase two, everything. Yep, yep. Amazing thing. I, I, I said, what's affecting it? But now we're talking about the emotional stuff. Right. Um, one thing that I really wanted to address is, I know you talked about fertility a lot. You do fertility a lot. Yes. And I haven't had anyone come on here and like, you're the jack of all trades. So I wanted to talk about and empower all of these soon to be moms or moms or parents or um, soon to be parents having issues with pregnancy. What, what, where do they start? How do, cause yeah. it's such a crazy thing. So I thing, see I'm a saying. lot of fertility in my practice. Um, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but it really is about the detox funnel being full. Yeah. So the three things, the main things that go through this funnel are fat, toxins, and hormones, mm -hmm. right? So <clears throat> if your funnel's full, your hormones are going to be off for one. And then if you just think about it logically, the body does not want to create a baby in an environment that's so toxic, right? Yep. Younger and these young women are really having problems with fertility yep. and it's growing. I mean, the amount of women who are, um, my sister um, is, you know, is trying to get pregnant. She's 32. And I think out of like 
all of her friends, half of them have a hard time getting pregnant. Oh. And, and I know people 50%, like that too. I know personally right? people have Yeah. Trouble. So what's the problem? I think that uh, the toxicity in our world is growing. And uh, stress in our world is, is just there. And especially where I live in the Silicon Valley, I mean, people are stressed. Yeah. Right? So the funnel's small. It's getting filled a lot. And so there's a lot of toxicity. So when I see someone for fertility, um, I have them give me three months where let's detox you for three months. But we don't, we need to also do the male too. Mm -hmm. So one of Thank the, yeah, that. one of the really good stories is I was treating somebody for a year. She was doing for fertility. She was doing great, ovulating perfectly. Everything was going wonderfully. She even quit her job and got a job where she felt more happy. She did everything she needed to do, still not getting pregnant. So I said, you know, I think it's time to see your husband. Yeah. And so um, saw her husband. Uh, he did he did what he had to do. One month later, they were pregnant. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So we have to address the male. Right. It's I, not just the female, it's yeah. the male too. We yeah. did a Q&A a few, a few uh, shows ago. And in my Q&A, we talked about that. And I said, all right. I'm going to push away the female females right now. Let's talk about the males in right. pregnancy. So, so important. I'm so right. glad that you said that. Amen mm -hmm. to that. Um, so let's address the male, making sure that funnel, right, is, right. is big, robust, and able to handle all the things that are coming right. in. Right. No, and so for the male, it was, it was about maybe not drinking, not, you know, doing other things that are toxic, and just taking those out. And then they got pregnant. Yeah, so, and, and it's like it's yeah. not just one. It's not like, oh, you know, like is my body wash going to really be that big of an issue? Right, but then we right. talk about everything else we're exposed to. You just mentioned mattresses. We sleep on mattresses. There's known endocrine disruptors in there. Right. Right. There's known mm -hmm. immunological neurotoxic agents in there. And then we talk about home stuff, off gassing. Right. Then you go to work. You know, to, unless you're living in a clean work environment. You know, you're breathing in stuff. We're not even talking about mold and things like that. So Right. Oh, we haven't even talked about that. That's I did another, a whole episode on it. <laughs> that's another part of my program yeah. is the biotoxins, yeah. which come from mold and parasites and bacteria. And parasites love to live in your gallbladder. It's a dark place that they just love to hang out. Whoa. So when we do these flushes, oftentimes my patients will see worms come out in the flesh too. That's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so really... The, the take home is if you're trying to get pregnant, both you and your partner need to be making sure that you are detoxed, cleansed, ready to go uh, at your highest vibration level of right. health, right? Mm -hmm. And the stress level needs to come down. I think stress and toxicity are the two main reasons I see that fertility isn't happening. Now, the other thing that we should mention, though, is methylation. Yeah. So uh, methylation is a genetic, is something uh, that we need to look into for genetics. And this is more when women are having miscarriages around like eight weeks or so. Oh. I often notice that it's methylation, that there isn't enough active folate for the baby's brain to develop. And so then a miscarriage just, can sometimes yeah, just happen. Aborting on yeah, that. So if it's around eight weeks that if any, if there are any <clears throat> listeners and they have miscarriages around that eight week mark, I would say go see someone for, you know, checking your genetics and seeing if there's any methylation or just make sure to take methylated folate. Yeah, you should be Look happy your, you, yeah. because that's, that's, you just empowered so many men and women out here who are trying to get pregnant. I know people personally who are miscarriaging. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so important to talk about methylation. Do they even know what methylation is? You know, it's like, we don't even talk about that. Right. So remember listeners, pay close attention. Um, 
So you would say in your practice, what you see, pediatrics, fertility, any other other overarching themes of patients? So whoever's listening, yeah. So um, chronic fatigue syndrome, which I think is now called ME, is a really big one I see. it's a it's a illness that's really complex and has multiple layers of disease and conventional medicine has no answers for this. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually doing a documentary on it. Cool. One of my patients is doing extremely well with chronic fatigue syndrome and uh, we're documenting it because she's um, been suffering with it for I think over 20 to 25 years or so, maybe even longer, I think about 30 years, and um, has seen 20 doctors, no answers. I've been treating her for, I think, five months now. She's doing amazing. She's able to get up and walk around, and she's thinking about getting a job now, and we're documenting the whole thing. So again, it's toxicity. Um, You know, uh, conventional medicine doesn't have an answer for it because there's no way to turn off the switches here. Um, The chronic, the, it's what I like to say is these people are living with a hangover. Yeah. Like if you've ever had a hangover, it's like that every day and it just doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, and unless you have it, you don't know what that feels like. It sounds horrible. Right. And there's no answer. Conventional medicine has no medication for this. So, um, that's a big part of my practice that I'm really, um, I really love treating because I just feel like there's no answers and and just if the answer is just detox, right? Yeah. So it's it's actually quite simple. Um, but with these patients, you have to go really slow because anything that you give them could be too much. It'll topple over. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. And and it's natural start medicine, yep. right? In, mm-hmm. in Mountain View. Yep. So all my Cali peeps up there, just uh, <laughs> reach out to her. I know that you do you do some telemedicine for people. I do. Yeah. I okay. have patients in other states and. Um, I do telemedicine over video. Mm-hmm. Okay, so really important to reach out. It, what else? Is there anything you wanted to drop for these people that we want, We need to know, we need to learn, any um, take-home gems for us? Yeah, I mean, I would say the other thing I was going to talk about was thyroid because oh, yeah. that's huge, right? And I think that out of my, even if my patients aren't coming to me for thyroid issues, I uncover that they have thyroid issues. And um, my thought process on that is I, I, I think the thyroid just, loves to suck up toxins. It does. I always call it the right? most delicate endocrine yeah, organ. Yeah, it just loves to suck up toxins. So um, especially the dental work, yeah. and this is another big thing for me that I've noticed is that in my adult patients, 75% of the problem is actually in their mouth. Yeah. So I think it's really important to see a biological dentist if you can. And there is an association, I believe it's IABDM something. Uh, no, like. IAMT. Yes. Yeah. Um, for the biological dentist and to find one in your area who's going to check out, you know, um, if you have cavitations from wisdom teeth removal. Mm-hmm. I'm actually finding that my patients who have wisdom teeth removal, which is almost everybody, 80% of them have cavitations. So a cavitation is when the tooth gets pulled out and then there's space, a space that's left there and it doesn't heal properly. And those spaces, infections will grow there. Get out of here. Almost I didn't know like that. Almost like a root canal. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I'm finding this in 80% of the people who have, who come to my office, so they're already having an issue, right? So maybe it's not everybody, but if you have a chronic symptom, then I always look there. And so I have a way of testing this. I use applied kinesiology to test all the teeth Mm -hmm. and see if there's a cavitation there. Then I send them to my favorite local um, biological dentist Mm -hmm. and then he does a cone beam scan. So when you normally see the dentist, it's just a 2D Mm x-ray. This is a 3D 
Unfortunately, it's a CAT scan. It is radiation, yeah. but it can be worth it if we're going to uncover something that's potentially a silent killer. Yeah. So you won't, you don't have nerves here, right? Because the tooth has been pulled, the nerves are gone. So there's no pain. And so there's an infection, but there's no pain. So you'll never know that it's there. So yeah. one of the greatest, um, I think it was just really obvious. I had a patient come in and he had like rashes all over his legs and it was like totally swollen. His, his leg was like totally like three times the size. And I tested his teeth. He had just gotten a root canal um, maybe eight months prior. Mm -hmm. um, sent him to the biological, I tested his teeth. They were all positive. Root canal, root canal, cavitation. Sent him to the dentist got those removed. I believe within three days, it was 50% down. Within two weeks, it was gone. That's incredible. And that rash at his leg was actually due to his infection in his mouth. I believe it. Yeah. I've seen people's warts go away at removal of uh, a root canal tooth, like just right. re removing the whole right. tooth. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's incredible. And we don't talk about it. And I don't think we learn enough about it in conventional naturopathic school, whatever it is, but so important to start with the mouth in many cases, have a good dentist, have an investigating dentist to look at these things. Right. Not all root canals are going to be a problem, sure. but if they are, you want to know, Yeah. right? Because they really can't clean out every microscopic no. organism that's in that, you know, in that infected tooth, essentially. And so eventually it may grow, but it may not too. So it might not be a problem. I would say go check if it's a problem, then take care of it. If not, then, you know, so I tell people it's worth it. it you know, the surgery might cost three, two, three thousand yeah. dollars, but it's totally worth it. Yeah. 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 Chronic inflammation mm -hmm. in the teeth. And one of our first episodes was on um, just indolent infections, silent. And we talked about the mouth. We talked about chronic disease. So important to uh, address these if you're going to heal. Uh, overall, your whole body. Right, right. I'm and so the glad the mouth is up. so yeah. close to the thyroid. So yeah. that was where I was going with that. Is that it's so close to the thyroid that those toxins just find the thyroid, and now you have Hashimoto's, Graves, hypothyroidism. You know, and I do find that the dental work is sometimes half of the problem. There. You're about to blow people's minds <laughs> on this podcast. I'm going to get a lot of DMs of people saying, oh, my God, and little sound bits. I hope, I hope you all are satisfied. Um, okay, so we can find you online. You have your detox program. One more time. So it's detoxflushtransform.com. Okay. And then my clinic is naturalstartmedicine.com. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I hope you everyone learned... Uh, so many different things. I know I learned a few things from you. Thank you, Dr. Funk, for coming on, a close friend of mine and an incredible doctor. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. My mind was blown. I know your mind was blown like that emoji on your iPhone. I see it in my head. That was so amazing, so great, so diverse. I don't think we've had a guest that talked about so many diverse issues. We didn't stick with one thing, but I hope you're all empowered. You have informed consent, beautiful stuff. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Rate, review, subscribe. A lot of love to you all. High vibrations, peace and love. Thank you.